one of the first questions, and obviously at the premise of this conference, is uh, when we say, who is Christ? As Christians, we believe that Christ is God. Right. And we've tried to give some, at least some logical evidence and some scriptural evidence for what leads us to that conclusion. Why would we conclude that Christ was God? Well, ultimately, we believe that Christ said he was God. That's one of the sure. most obvious reasons why, why we hold that position. Um, but there are many who would say, uh, Christ never said that, or ask specifically the question, where did Jesus say, I am God, worship me? Right. And so that's an that's a argument that uh, Ahmed Didat and Zakir Naik, um, apologists for Islam, they challenge Christians about that. But I want to say, just like we've already seen, that God's word, it works together. Why do, what do I mean by that? He is one God, and his word has, has one thought, and, um, and it's the, per, the personal promises of God perfectly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Uh -huh. So these promises of God are fulfilled in him. And so Jesus did say he's God in different ways, and we'll get into that. But I think we need to start at the foundation. The prophets said he was God. Jesus didn't say anything different than what the prophets already said. Jesus said he had to die. The prophets said it. You know, we're seeing the seed in the Old Testament. So now we want to see where did the prophets say that he's God. If you have your Bibles, turn over to... Uh, first of all, let's look at Luke 24 first, and then we'll get into where he says it. I want us to see uh, what Christ is saying here is not simply uh, something he just came up with, although he, he's Almighty God. It's something that uh, the prophets also said about him. So in Luke chapter 24, he's there, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Let's go down to just verse number 43 and 44. Let's read in verse 44, Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, this is the resurrected Christ, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Christ is saying all the Old Testament talks about my death, my burial, my resurrection. The gospel is in the Old Testament. The gospel is in the Torah, it's in the Zabur, the Psalms, it's in the prophets, the Lambiet. And so we see the gospel throughout the scriptures. So it's of course going to describe the person of who the Messiah is, Jesus Christ. So turn over in your Bibles right now to uh, Exodus chapter 3. So we're going to see here the story of the bondage of Israel. And the children of Israel, they're in bondage in Egypt for hundreds of years. And God hears their cry, and he's wanting them to be delivered. And so Moses, he comes to Moses and starts telling him, you will be the one that will be used to deliver Israel from Egypt, from the house of bondage, from the uh, place of slavery. And so Moses has a good question because he's, he's nervous, he's scared about what to do. And here it says in verse 13, of chapter 3, Exodus three thirteen, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am yeah. hath sent me unto you. This is the God, the Jehovah God saying, this is who I am. This is my name that I want you to declare to them. The God of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, the I am. Mm -hmm. And so that's a blessing to me to see that. But let's see how that coincides with the New Testament. Turn over to John chapter 8. Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. And they're condemning him. 
uh, uh, ranting and raving and trying to cause him to fall. We won't read through the whole argument, but let's see who Jesus says he is here in this passage. We'll start in verse number 56. John chapter 8, verse number 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was. Of course, he's declaring that before Abraham existed, yes, I did exist. I am the eternal one. But he's declaring the name that, that, of the one that delivered Israel in the, book, in, in, uh, in the book of Exodus. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Yeah. So what we're seeing is that maybe there is a point. Where did Jesus say, I am God, worship me? As far as I know, those exact words phrased in that exact form... Jesus didn't say that, mm-hmm. but there's more than one way to say something. Exactly. It doesn't have to be phrased the exact same way. And Jesus claimed to be God in many different ways. Yes. If, if I introduced you to myself and said, hi, my name's Josh, and these are my children. Right. Could you say, well, you, knew, you never claimed to be a father. You never claimed to be right. a dad. You didn't say it. But I didn't, I didn't say, say that, but, <laughs> but there's more than one way to say something. Exactly. And I think that's pretty clear. Christ used a lot of different ways. And claiming the name of God. Yes. that his Jewish audience would have been very familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, is a clear claim. It was clear to everybody that heard of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why they were willing to kill him. Yeah. And just like he brought out last night, um, he declared himself to be God. That is the reason why they wanted him to go to the cross, because he was saying he is the Messiah, and the Messiah of the Old Testament was declared to be God. So you're saying you're God, therefore they wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. You know. And so this is one passage. Turn over to, uh, you know, and Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. He had a lot of titles of the, that God had in the Old Testament. In Psalm 23, the Lord, Jehovah God, is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus claimed these titles. He is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And this is a title for God. You know. But also, uh, look over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a wonderful passage. And so uh, I say to my Muslim friends, hey, look, this is a description of God. When I was in Egypt, there was a, um, a teacher at Al-Azhar. He taught religion there. It's the largest Islamic Sunni university in the world. Mm-hmm. And he taught religion there. And so I showed him this verse, and, th- and I'll, I'll tell you what he said after, after we read it. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Look at that. That's wonderful, isn't it? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is somebody, as we see, that was born a human, but also he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, what? The mighty God. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, yeah. a man that will be born, will be called the mighty God. Okay? And um, we see uh, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's in Isaiah chapter, chapter mm-hmm. 7, verse 14, and we see it fulfilled in Matthew as well. Yeah. And so this is a name, a clear passage that the prophets are saying that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a wonderful. Look at this. Oh, when I talked to that, um, uh, that professor... When he read that, he said, 
that's talking about Jesus? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is, yeah. He's like, mm. he didn't yeah. know what to say after that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know. And so oftentimes, like, maybe you want to hear Jesus say this exact phrase, but Christ isn't one to often sing his own praises right. because the scriptures do it for him. Exactly. Right? And oftentimes he'd pose the question or someone else would pose the question, and Christ would affirm it. Yes, right. you've said it. Right. Uh, and, and he never rejected the claim of right. deity, and people would ask him and at, his ex, at his trial, mm-hmm. are you the Christ? Yes. I am. You said it. I mean, that maybe be the, might be the clearest time where he did say, "I am," right. exactly what they were asking him what he was. But yes. it, I don't. I also don't think that a, a, a phrase like that, "I am God, worship me," fits the nature of who Jesus was. Right. If I was God, if you were God, maybe that's what I would want to say. Hey, everybody, I'm God, worship, worship me. me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't think those words would even fit Christ, the kind of person that he was. Yes. He was. He was humble and, and always, you know, accepted the worship when it came. But he wasn't one that went around demanding everybody to worship exactly. him. Exactly, and he doesn't today. Yeah, he doesn't today. Yeah. Look at uh, Isaiah 48, verse 16 and 17. This is a wonderful passage, um, and I believe this passage here uh, shows the Trinity in the Old Testament in just a couple of verses. Um, So here, uh, the Lord is talking, and it says in verse 16, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this, I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit hath sent me. So who's talking? Mm -hmm. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. I mean, look at that. That is absolutely amazing. So it has the one speaking. He says, I've not spoken from the beginning, from the time it was, I am there. From eternity past, I'm there. Then he says, the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. The Father and the spirit sent who? And he says it, the Lord thy Redeemer. Who's the Redeemer? In the Word of God. Who's the Holy One of Israel? Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the Christ is speaking here, saying that I'm eternal and I'm sent by the Father and the Spirit. And that's God. Yeah. So Isaiah, the prophet, is claiming the deity of the Messiah. Yeah. The one that was yeah. to come. And his place within that Trinity. And obviously Trinity is a word that um, triggers a lot more questions. And right. that's another controversial idea. But I think it's really unique to see that Christ's identity is tied to his position within what we would call the Godhead. And, and that the, the Trinity is not some invention by some church some council. council. It, it's exactly. not some Nicene idea. It's a scriptural idea. And it was, it was their, their way of, of explaining and yes. making sense of all this. Because Jesus claiming to be God caused a problem for the early Jewish churches, people, yeah. right? Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, the, the, it was, that's why it was so controversial. Right. But, yeah, they could look back at their own scriptures and see, yeah, this is, this is exactly what, what, who he was. Let's turn over to Zechariah chapter 12. Amen. So this is an amazing passage, too. Um, when you see it, and it's also fulfilled in the Gospel of John in Revelation chapter 1, Zechariah, Malachi. So if you're wondering where in the world Zechariah is, it's near the old end of your Old, your old Testament. Uh, so Zechariah, we'll see in verse 1, we won't read it, but it's saying God is speaking. From the very first part of this passage, the Lord is speaking, capital L-O-R-D. Jehovah God is speaking in, uh, in Zechariah chapter 12. Now let's creep down to verse number 10. It says this, And I'll pour upon the house of David... And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, 
the spirit of grace and of supplications. Look at this. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So Zechariah is not talking about himself here. God is speaking and says, they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. How can God be pierced when God became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us? Yeah. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Turn over to John chapter 19 and see the fulfillment of this. Where? Uh, at the cross. And so what I want you guys to see, I'm going through this. You're saying, where did Jesus say this? But let's see the foundation of this being one book that first the prophets said it. Okay, John chapter 19, verse number 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he, that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Whom they pierced. And so therefore, he's going back to Zechariah talking about yeah. God speaking and saying, once again, the Word of God working together yeah. to showing that this is none yeah. other than God Almighty that died for their sins. Yeah, I love how the Gospels are just full of those kind of yeah. references. This that is clearly the, the apostles themselves, the, one who, the, the ones who knew Jesus. They were his closest friends on the earth, kind of putting together the pieces of the puzzle and saying, that, that, that's a fulfillment of this prophecy and a fulfillment of this prophet. And they, they could see their friend, the, the one that they knew, fulfilling perfectly all of the scriptures that they knew and right. held dear, that, and that, that they <laughs> understood to be the Messiah. These were all men that had been waiting for the Messiah, yes. and they clearly saw Christ as the fulfillment. The ones who knew him better than anybody right. uh, clearly understood this is exactly his role. Yes, yeah. and it's, it's wonderful to see that and imagine being there with him, seeing yeah. the Christ uh, eating with him, talking with him, fellowshipping with him, knowing that they're eating with the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see the testimony of Jesus, uh, John ten twenty seven. So we'll see where Christ, um, his enemies knew he was God. So we see the prophets believed it. Um, John chapter 10, verse 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Let me ask you this. Who can give eternal life? Can a prophet give you eternal life? Really? So he's more than a prophet? Well, this is what this is saying. Look, and it says, My Father, God the Father, which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He says, I and my Father are one. So the Jewish people said this. This is what they said. They said, we're going to kill him. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works which I have showed you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? Look at this. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Yeah. They knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah. He said it yeah. when he said that I give eternal life. Uh-huh. I am equal to the Father. I yeah. am these things. Yeah. And I keep in my hand. They yeah. heard these things and they knew that he was saying, yeah. I am God. Yeah, it's important that the audience that was receiving it, these are Jews. These are monotheists. They right. believe that there's only one God. So any claim that Christ would make in 
to be equal with God in their minds is a claim to be God, to be the very God, because they, they, have to, they only have one space in their mind for God. They're, they're not polytheists. They have a monotheistic mind. And so for them to hear, I and my father are one, you have to see me as father. Any claim of equality is a claim of, of deity and, exactly. and to be God himself in the flesh. Right, yeah. exactly. So once again, Christ is saying, yeah. I am God. All right, now look at this. This is um, uh, maybe we'll, well, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'll just glean over this. It says, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lying with you always, even into the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be more sly and essentially, well, he's not really saying he's God, but he is saying, You baptize in the name of God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He's putting himself on equality in the Godhead. You mm-hmm. understand? And so there's one way he's also claiming to be God. Yeah. But let's look over to um, John chapter 20, verse number 27 through 29. It's hard to flip back and forth. I think I'll just use, the <laughs> use my iPad. I was impressed keeping up with the Bible page flipping. That's, uh, that's a lot of practice that you show there. So John, 10, uh, John chapter 20, the resurrected Christ, he appears to the disciples... And he says, uh, and Thomas, he wasn't there. He was doubting. He's like, yeah, you know, he's not risen from the dead. You know, show me his hands, feet. I'll, I'll put my hand mm-hmm. in his, his side and his, um, and his side and his hands, and I'll believe. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens when Thomas sees him. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Look what Thomas said. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't stop there and say, Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, that's, that's not right. I, I'm just a man. He didn't say that, did he? Yeah. Look what he yeah. says. Jesus said unto Thomas, Because thou hast seen me and thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. He's saying, You've seen me and believe that I'm the risen Lord and God. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, and so he's agreeing with him, saying, what you proclaimed is exactly what is true. Yeah. I am yeah. Lord, and I am God. Yeah. Just like if I were to come to you and say, hey, pastor, uh, you're a pastor, Josh, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you have a, your family, you live here in Dearborn? Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't say, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm living in Dearborn, but he's agreeing with what I'm saying. Yeah. Therefore, saying what I'm saying is true. Right. Yeah. And so this is what Thomas is doing, uh, Jesus is doing with Thomas. Thomas is saying, mm-hmm. you're Lord and God, and he says, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. Jesus here is clearly claiming, I am God. Yeah. Okay. And I see that as being something that Jesus prepared them to understand. Right. Even bef- uh, and when he said unto them, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me. Right. Even, even preparing them for that. <laughs> On to, that same to level. To understand this. Yeah. You know, uh, you just brought out something. Um, turn over to John 17. It's in the notes. <laughs> um, but this is a passage that our Muslim friends, they say, well... Um, here he's not saying he's the true God. But uh, when you read the passage, it's absolutely wonderful. This is one of my favorite. This is the real Lord's Prayer here, John 17. Yeah. It's, uh, and so um, we'll read in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Isn't this wonderful, this relationship that mm-hmm. the Father has with the Son? Yeah. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to, many as, to as many as thou hast given him. Once again, he has able to give eternal life. This is a power of, only, of deity. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So our friends will say, look, Jesus, the prophet, he wants them to know the one true God. But what Christ is doing here, we've already seen that he has power to give eternal life. And I like how it says this. What is eternal life? Knowing him. Yeah. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the yeah. only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So on that same level of knowing God, the true God, is, and he's saying, you need to know me. Mm-hmm. And then he, just, he declares a little more. So then it says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You know, I love that. He puts it finished. Mm-hmm. It's past tense. That's interesting. This is before the cross. And then he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before what? The world was. Yeah. He is eternal. Yeah. Okay? And so this same glory he shares with God the Father. Only one that claims to be God could say these things. Mm-hmm. So when you read a passage, you need to read it in the context. Yeah. So any of you, any Muslim friends, when you read a passage in the Bible and you say, Hey, this means this. Why is Jesus saying uh, the Father is greater than I here? But, but you're saying he's God. Read the context. Okay? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to take any verse out of the Quran out of context. Yeah. You know, so when I read yeah. a passage in the Quran, I say, hey, this means this. They're like, well, let's read the context. I'd like to, yeah. I wouldn't do that to your book, right. you know, anybody. So I'd like, uh, so we need to respect one another when we're reading each other's books. Yeah. You know, read yeah. the context of the passage. And what I'm trying to show you that the whole Bible is connected and that we're seeing the deity of Christ from the Old Testament prophets, mm-hmm. Moses being one of them, yeah. one of the ones that is well respected by both faiths. And, um, and then also seeing Christ say the same thing. Yeah. Now, where did he say, worship me? Let's um, look over to Luke chapter 24. I mean, there's several passages on this. that He did miracles, and they worshiped him. And um, there's something, just like Pastor Josh already brought out, some things he just didn't need to say. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 51, says this. Well, let's just read verse 50. Might as well. And he led them out as far to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Mm-hmm. He, didn't say, he didn't have to tell them, worship me. Yeah. They knew him for who he was and said, you're worthy of worship. Yeah. And that yeah. is who Christ is. Let me tell you, when you know him for who he is, yeah. when you see him as the living God, when you see the prophet saying it, uh, himself saying it, and all he's done for us, mm-hmm. you want to worship him. Yeah. We yeah. should humbly say, you are worthy, yeah. O Lord. And so that's what they do. And then so um, this is one question I didn't, you know, I could hit it more thorough. Mm-hmm. But just for a, a, a starting point. Where did Jesus say, God, I am worshiping me? Let's start with the foundation of yeah. the prophet said And you would ask the question of, okay, maybe he didn't, but like, what if he claimed the name of God? Mm-hmm. And what if he received worship? And what if he did things only God could do? Right. And what if he claimed to forgive people's sins? Are any of these sufficient claims in someone's mind? Right. Or does it have to be exactly the way you want it to be? Right. Um, God, God, Jesus clearly claimed to be God. And it is the, what we're trying to show is it's the theme of the whole Bible. This yes. is not a New Testament thing. Uh, it, it all pointed through it. And, and they understood Jesus to be exactly who he claimed to be. Exactly. And, and the result of that, if Jesus is God, then the, the only right thing to do is to worship him. Exactly. Then he is worthy of our worship, <laughs> and that's where our worship ought to be pointed to. And as Christians, we worship Christ. Right. And uh, the, we, we want at, at least people to understand why we do that. 
We do yes. that because if he is God, he's worthy of that. And that's exactly. the only right response to the information that we have in the Bible. Yes, sir. Um, right. another, another question kind of related to this um, that we hear is, is, did Jesus ever claim to be God? And then if Jesus was God, how, how could he die? Yes. How can God die? This is another problem maybe people have with the right. identity of Christ and him being God. And his. I guess this kind of comes with his purpose. Why did Christ become a man? Right. So how, how would you answer the question, how can God die? You know, um, uh, it is. We've already seen him as God for who he is in these other passages. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. And um, we see just once again the Almighty God being humble. And that's also a problem sometimes with our Muslim friends. They'll say, well, God and humility, they don't go together. He's mm-hmm. mighty. Why should he be humble? Well, let mm-hmm. me show you. Yeah. <laughs> let me show you what the Bible yeah. says. Why? It's wonderful. It's because of his deep love. Look at um, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation. Mm-hmm. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Yeah. Let me tell you how God can die. He did it because he humbly did it because he loves you. Yeah. And we'll get it, I'll give you some more verses on that. But I really want to say that, uh, it, you know, I've heard the illustration I guess it was in um, Nabil Qureshi's book, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. You know, if you were asked by the king mm-hmm. to, he, he wanted to honor you at his, his uh, palace. Yeah. You know, what would you do? You'd dress up in the best apparel. Mm-hmm. You'd go there um, and with all your regal attire, with your family and, and whoever, so you would be honored in front of the king. Mm-hmm. You'd have your best clothes on. Then on your way there, you hear... Somebody screaming, help, help. Do you have like a little niece or nephew or something like that? Mm-hmm. Do you have maybe your son? Yeah. Okay. And you hear him screaming, help. And you see your son drowning in mud and dirt. Mm-hmm. And he's going under. What would you do? Yeah. Would you just give him a book on how to swim? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just send a book, would you? No. Or would you say, hey, you go save my son. No, you say, I'm going in. Yeah. Even if you got dirty and filthy, mm-hmm. and for whatever you're going to do, it wouldn't matter because yeah. you love him, you want to save mm-hmm. him. That's what Jesus did. Yeah. He didn't just send us a book, praise God for the book. He didn't just send us another prophet to say, hey, this is how you get saved. He said, I'll come. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll yeah. become one of the, the filth, walk amongst the filth yeah. of man. God became flesh yeah. and dwelt among us. And this same God came and said, I will save them from their sins. I am mm-hmm. willing to come down and humble myself to yeah. take them out of the muck and the mire yeah. of sin and death and hell. Yeah. And that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he became flesh. Look over into Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Uh, how He chose to die so you could live. So it says... In Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, look at this, which he hath purchased with his own blood. To feed the church of God, which God has purchased with his own blood. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. and so uh, what that's saying here is that 
Um, we were needed to be bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. So God had to die. He was in the flesh, just like me and you. We all have, and um, and although he died when he died on the cross, he continued, of course, to exist. Some people say, well, how could uh, God control the world when if he's if God died, then who's controlling the world? If God died, then um, then what happened after this? And so we find that God. Uh, is greater, you know. Mm -hmm. they, Muslims love the Allahu Akbar. They say that. Well, I tell you, Yeshua Akbar. Jesus is greater. Yeah. Yeah. He is able to, con you know, hold things together. By Him, all things consist. Even when He died on the cross for our sins, yeah. you know, that's something I can't even fully fathom. I will study more. Was it the Father, the Son, the Spirit, yeah. holding all yeah. things together in His yeah. death? Hey, I know He was um, uh, taking the blood, uh, you know, to the mercy seat and right. things mm -hmm. like this. He was leading captivity captive. Uh, he continued on. You know, and then after that, he conquered death after three days. Yeah. Jesus Christ overcame death. He didn't escape his task. The task from the foundation world was the cross. And because it was the cross, he had to come and die. He didn't just get away from it. He didn't just get taken up into heaven. He didn't uh, deceive anybody. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, had to die for our sins because yeah. the wages of sin yeah. is death. Yeah. Yeah. You can't pay for this. Mm -hmm. I can't pay for it. I'm a sinner. You can't die for my sins, brother. Yeah. I can't die for yours because we're both in the same case. Right. Yeah. We both deserve hell. Right. You know, uh, and, and so, but Jesus did no sin. Neither yeah. was guile found in his mouth. Mm -hmm. He did nothing, you know, and yeah. yet he died on the cross for our sins. Yeah. I like how it says it in uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Yeah, somebody might wonder, like, why, why is this the way that it had to happen? Why God becoming a man? Why death? Why the cross? All of these things. Well, uh, in a real sense, it's because this is what was necessary. This exactly. is what had to happen. And, and the way it happened is exactly the way that it needed to, to accomplish God's purpose and to accomplish salvation and redemption. And so when we talk about this human nature of Christ, this was a necessary part of his uh, mission. He, he had to have a body so that he could die. Because right. this, this is part of what was needed to satisfy uh, God's wrath and the punishment for our sins. Exactly. So it, it had to happen this way. It had to happen exactly this way in that uh, men are sinful and we, we aren't worthy of being the substitute. Exactly. And God, who is worthy, couldn't die. So Christ had to become both. Exactly. A God-man was necessary <laughs> to, to save mankind. And so yes. that's exactly what... Christ was exactly and he was 100 percent God 100 percent man he became man so that he could die in your place yeah you know um, and this was the plan of God from the beginning first Peter 1 18 says for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from the fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation world but was manifest in these last times for you Mm -hmm. And so God chose to die. His, the, the Lord Jesus, God Almighty, became flesh to die. Mm -hmm. And he submitted himself to the cross. He yeah. said, it is finished. You yeah. know? And he gave up the ghost. Mm -hmm. you know? And so he literally died and he literally rose again from the dead after three days and conquered death. Yeah. So in answer to the question, how can God die I would say by becoming a man. Yeah. Because we believe God is eternal. So exactly. no, God couldn't die. And so in order to die on our behalf, he had to become a man. That's why the incarnation, the virgin birth, all of these things were absolutely necessary to fulfill God's plan. Yeah. He says um, in Romans 5, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Mm -hmm. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. 
And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And my friends, that is exactly what you are, we are. We've sinned and we've failed. We've broken God's laws. But he saw mm-hmm. the need and he came and said, I will fulfill it. And he died in our place. Yeah. And tying these things to the Old Testament, this idea of a, a sacrifice is something that was set up through the whole Bible. I mean, we've been talking about the Old Testament, but uh, this is something that even those who witnessed it understood this to be a fulfillment of, this picture of sacrifice. Right. There when Cain and Abel are there in, one, in God's wanting an offering. And so he says, you know, I want the lamb. One brought the lamb and one didn't bring the lamb. They brought their works to their hands, the, the uh, fruit of the field. And so the one that was acceptable was the one that brought the perfect lamb. Yeah. Okay? And so we see that there. Then we see the story of um, after uh, Noah, when he, after the judgment on the ark, after that he came and worshiped. He did some sacrifices. And then Abraham, of course, with his son Isaac, as we've seen, we see that um, God was, uh, um, told him, you know, to sacrifice your son. And then in that place... You know, we see that God brought down the ram to thicket and, got, and then he sacrificed mm-hmm. this ram, this offering, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And all of these are pictures of the true sacrifice. Yeah. And we'll see that in just a moment. We see all these sacrifices that are, are being done, prepared here. Moses taught Israel about all the sacrifice, the whole burnt offering, the peace offering, and, you know, all these free will offering, these offerings that were needed uh, for atonement. Mm-hmm. And... When G- John the Baptist, we say Yehia Eben Zachariah in, in Arabic, when he saw Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Yeah. And so all these Old Testament sacrifices are pictures of the one true sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this plan of redemption is from the very beginning. This was in God's mind before the foundation of the world. And hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. And so when we see that that's his plan, he's going to reveal that, what we call progressive revelation in the scriptures. And he's shown us that, and it's fulfilled in Jesus when when John calls him that. He's saying all those sacrifices in the Old Testament are pictures of Jesus, the true lamb of God that died on the cross for our sins. Yeah. And so when people see this this picture of the sacrifice, Christ being a sacrifice for our sins, um, another question that we hear is why was a sacrifice necessary? Can I just repent? Can I, uh, why can't I just, uh, you know, try to be better right. myself? God is merciful. Why is this necessary? Could God just have choose to have mercy without a sacrifice? Yeah. Allahu Rahim, which means God is merciful, and so I can just repent, and, I, and I'll be okay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that is so against what the Scripture says, and what I... You know, there's some things in the Quran that you'll see like, oh, okay, it, it acknowledges the Torah. Yeah. It acknowledges the Psalms, acknowledges the prophets and the Gospels. But when you read them, you're like, mm-hmm. no, it's repentance. Okay, that's great, but that's not enough. Yeah. Somebody has to pay for your sins. Yeah. Okay? And so God is perfect in all of attributes. He is complete. He is holy. He is full of mercy, and His mercy endures forever. Yet He is holy and just. He abhors and He hates sin. Yet he loves the sinner. You understand? Uh, the prophet Ezekiel says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. Sin separates us from God. And so we see right in the very beginning, one sin, like Pastor Stahl brought out, separated Adam and Eve from heaven, from God himself, getting out of the Garden of Eden. So he has laws, and when we sin, we're guilty and separated from him. Yet he wants peace between us. 
You know, and we see that um, the Lord, uh, Christ fulfilled these, these laws and, um, and was able to die in our place. And so um, it's like uh, Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As the and then verse 15 says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. Yeah. And so the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to pay. Josh, if you were to, um, you know, this is just an example. Mm -hmm. You know, if you uh, just lost everything, you just started going crazy. And um, you started saying, you know, I'm just going to drink some alcohol. I'm going to do this. And you start and you get drunk. And, 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 then, you, and then after that, you steal a car. Mm -hmm. Can you see this guy stealing a car? <laughs> no, no, of course not. And then he, and then he's being chased by the police. And then after that, um, we see that he runs into a building, and then people are sent to the hospital, and you're arrested. And you go before the judge, and judge says, "Josh Levesque, you're guilty of drinking and driving, stealing, um, uh, you know, um, harming people, mm -hmm. uh, damaging property." Yeah. And you have to go to jail and or pay a million dollar fine. You say, well, judge, I'm sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I repent. Yeah. I won't do it again. Yeah. I promise I won't do it. What would the judge say? And he'd say, sorry. <laughs> and now, if he were to let you off because of that, yeah. you know, that wouldn't be a good judge. Yeah, we would say he he's not just. just. He's right. not just. There's no justice. And so then you say, well, look, I've done a lot of good deeds. Yeah. I, I've um, helped the sick. I, I went to the hospital. I cut my neighbor's grass. I give money to charity. I do all these good deeds. Mm -hmm. He says, well, that's nice, but that's not enough. Right. Yeah. Somebody has yeah. to pay. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I only have $100. That's not enough. Mm hmm. Throw them in jail. So you're going to jail, and then after that, somebody raise their hand and say, Judge, can I speak? And we're like, Yes, I'll pay. Right. Mm -hmm. You have a million dollars, the judge says? Yes, I do. Why would you pay? Because he can't, right. and I love him. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jesus did. But it's even more than that. The judge gets off the seat in Christ. Yeah. The judge comes down and actually dies in our place. Yeah. We cannot pay our sin debt. Yeah. Only Christ can. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's exactly what he did. He came to fulfill the law, died in our place, because sin has to be paid for. And yeah. his justice and his mercy meets at the cross. His justice and grace meets at the cross. And there's a word the Bible uses um, over in First John chapter 2. Uh, then I'm not sure we got time. Yeah, some people look at that and see, like, how can God be just and forgive sinners? In other words, some people look at what we would call Christian liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ, and that uh, we've been forgiven of all of our sins. And they say, what, what kind of justice is that? You're not going to pay for all the bad things that you did, or you can just continue to do bad things, and God's still going to forgive you. God's still going to give you grace. And ultimately, God can do that because justice was placed on Christ. Exactly. Yes. You know, it, it's not that God is just letting us off. He put that on Christ. Exactly. And it's yeah. wonderful. So in 1 John chapter 2, 
Verse 1, it says, and he is the propitiation. Verse 2, it says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. Now, that's a word there we don't use every day, propitiation. How many of you guys use that every day? Unless you come to church, you know, you yeah. get something. But it's like this, the, the holy God of heaven, his wrath and judgment is poured out on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then his righteousness and his love and his mercy comes towards us and we can move towards him. Yeah. But he takes that full judgment upon himself mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, that's why God can die. And that's why repentance is not enough because Christ had to pay for our sins. And I thank God for that. And then when we, ex- no matter how much we repent, we still are guilty. Yeah. And there needs to be reconciliation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you. Those are just a couple questions. I know we have more questions that we even plan to talk about, but hopefully we'll be able to do another one of these yeah. sessions soon yeah. and just answer some of these common objections. And uh, if, if there are any other questions, even about the things that we've said, we want to hear uh, what further questions there are. And, and having questions is a good thing. Uh, it's good to question, but if you're going to ask a question, it's, you, you also need to honestly consider the answer that's given. And so that's what we want. We want people to hear the answers that we have here. But these are good questions, and, and, and it's a good thing to ask them. And they're worthy questions. If you're asking these questions, you're asking the right questions. Right. Exactly. And if you're wondering, how can God die, and you're wondering uh, these things, then, then you're, you're on the right track. This, these, are, these are questions that should be asked of, right. of, of Christ. And, but they're, they're not questions that we're afraid of. They're questions that the Bible clearly answers. And uh, they're questions that, when answered and considered, have the ability to lead you to eternal life. <laughs>